episode 203. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Survival Guide Podcast. My name is Julia Hushett and I am the host of this show. If you are a new listener, then I want to wish you a very warm welcome. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode is proudly, proudly, proudly brought to you by Thrive Tribe. Thrive Tribe is my baby that I've been working so hard on over the last few months, along with my founding members. Massive public shout out to them for being the amazing women that they are. Thrive Tribe is the global membership experience for single mothers. And that's what it is, ladies. It is not just any old membership. It is an experience. And the doors are currently, for a very limited time, until the 6th of July specifically, open. With Thrive Tribe, you can grow, thrive and become the best version of yourself. And not only that, you are joining an amazingly supportive community of like-minded women. Like literally, you will not find a better bunch of women. So in Thrive Tribe, you will feel a part of a community of like-minded single moms that understand. You are going to learn strategies that are going to help you thrive and become happier, stronger and more confident. I am going to give you access to the success path that I have designed. And this success path is going to take you on the path to thriving as a single mother. So you're going to get step-by-step, a step-by-step guide pretty much and strategies to help you. You're going to be able to identify exactly where you are on that path and the next steps that you can take right now to get you going, to get you on that path and to progress along that path. When you come into the membership, you are going to get a bunch of core content. And this is designed also to help you move along the path through particular action items. You are also going to get four pieces of additional monthly content. Now, this is things like resources, trainings. We have some amazing guest speakers lined up. We have masterclasses. We have interactive workshops. We have group Zoom chats. I do a monthly Facebook Live to answer all your questions. And we also have surprise bonuses. And you will not believe the surprise that I have for the members that join in July. It's going to blow your mind. Like it doesn't get any bigger. I've got someone so inspirational lined up to talk with us on a private Zoom call. You are going to absolutely love her. Most of you probably would have heard or would know of her. She's incredible. Now, before we get into this week's episode, I'm going to share a quick little audio clip from the lovely Jenny, who is a Thrive Tribe founding member. Last week, you heard from four of my founding members, and I'm really excited to share this little clip from Jenny about what she thinks of Thrive Tribe, and um, then we'll get on to the chat that I have for this week with my guest. Hi, Julia, and hi to everybody who's listening to this podcast. My name is Jenny. I'm a 
four-year-old um, single mum of two teen daughters and I'm part of the Single Mums Survival Guide and uh, part of the founding members for the Thrive Tribe. Now, when um, I found myself a single mum later in life, I actually embraced the role. It felt really um, freeing and liberating to me not to um, have to settle for a relationship that just wasn't uh, for my greater good. And even though it did take me a long time to um, uh, leave my husband, eight years actually, um, I decided at the end of the day that, yeah, I just wanted more from life for myself. So, And if I wasn't happy, then my husband certainly couldn't be happy. Well, in theory, that's, you know, what, what I was thinking. So um, I did take the um, steps to leave him about six years ago, So, and, and I don't uh, regret that decision. So, but, you know, uh, being a single parent, as you know, we all become single parents for different reasons, and some of them are uh, heartbreaking, some of the stories that I hear, and I really just want to, you know, uh, help in any way that I can, whether it's um, just through being uh, someone that just listens. I think we're all like that, actually. We just, we want to be heard. Uh, we want to be seen. We want someone to really understand us. And I think this is where Julia plays uh, such a an amazing uh, part in our lives, is bringing us all together with a with a common goal and and that common goal is um to be happy uh, to be successful and just to do the best that we can with the hand that we've been dealt with um so i found uh julia um to a friend who was part of the um single mum survival guide and then i started listening um to some of the podcasts which I, I really like. I really feel endeared to uh, some of the stories that I hear. I think we can we can all relate uh, to aspects of um, yeah, these stories, and it gives us that strength to stand up and go, you know, what well, we're here for you, and we're sorry that that's happened for you. Yeah. It's interesting, really. But being part of the um, Thrive Tribe and the success path that uh, Julia's come up with, which I think is great because, as um, some of the other um, women have said, we're, we're all on different journeys and we're all on different paths. We're all at different levels of our of our healing, I guess, you could call it, and um, this success path is just, it's a little bit of a checklist. I I like the format of it. I thought it it was quite good, and just through the Zooms uh, that we have and the Ask ask Lives that we have, which is really good because you can submit a a question that everybody can um, read about and give their advice or 
um, Julia will give you some coping mechanisms for um, certain things. So that I, I, I find really good. I actually look forward to the Zooms and, and the lives. Um, but I'm very, very thankful and I feel it's it's just part of my journey to be involved with such a great group and to have stumbled across this particular resource I guess you could uh, for a better word the resource of um, amazing women that are just there for each other uh, I think it's that's powerful and it's and it's healing it really is healing so look uh, for anyone who is listening to this and isn't sure um, you know what the next step forward for them is I would say you know consider a uh, joining the Thrive Tribe because um, it is, it's healing and it's informative and it's it's a part of all our journeys, I think. So, but that's my little bit for today. But thank you for everybody who um, takes into consideration joining and I hope that you do take that next step and uh, continue the journey. But um, that's it. I hope you all have a fantastic day, whatever you're doing. And um, know that you are enough. We are all enough. We just have to believe it. But do you all take care and maybe talk to you in one of the Zooms. All right, bye. Jenny, thank you so much for those kind words and for being such a valued member. You are amazing and I think we all love and adore you and everything that you have to offer, you're amazing. Okay, so if you want to join Thrive Tribe, the doors are now open. They are only going to be open until 8am on the 6th of July, Australian Eastern Standard Time. So very limited time only. If you click the link in the show notes, you will be able to enroll right there. And they will open again later in the year. When, I'm not entirely sure yet, but they will be open sometime later in the year. But first, I need some time to connect with the new members. We all need to get to know each other and I need to give them some love and nurture them. And that's where my focus is going to be. Can you cancel at any time? Yes. There are absolutely no lock-in contracts whatsoever. It is a month-to-month membership. If you don't like it, You are free to leave whenever you like. Um, However, if you do want to join again, you will have to wait until the doors reopen again. So I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm so excited. If you want to join us, head to the show notes and click on the link and you can enroll right there. And I can't wait to see you in there. Okay, let's move on to this week's episode. It's school holidays, by the way, at the end of this week. Isn't that just madness? I think some of you in Australia already have kids on school holidays oh my gosh, (laughs) this year is just insane. Okay, I need to thank everybody who has sent love recently, whether that is via email, on social media, and especially to my podcast reviewers. It means the absolute world when someone leaves a podcast review because it helps bring my podcast to the attention of more single mums. So I'm super grateful for that. And today's shout out is to RMOG123 from Ireland. And this person gave five stars and wrote, love these podcasts. I've been listening to Julia's podcast on a regular basis and find them truly inspirational. 
She addresses every topic that is applicable to being a single mother and offers great advice from her solo episodes to her interviews with other single mums to asking the experts. Listening to these podcasts have helped me address challenges I face as a single mother and they have given me the tools to implement some very worthwhile strategies in helping to overcome these. As a result, I feel so empowered and more in control of my life. I am so grateful to have found them and to connect with a community of single parents. Thank you, Julia, for all that you do. Oh, that is the loveliest review. Thank you so much. And I'm so, so, so glad that you love my podcast and that it's done so much for you. I think that's incredible. How exciting. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for taking the time to write that review. I so appreciate it. If you are a regular listener and you haven't yet left a review, I'd be super grateful if you could leave one for me on wherever you're listening. As I mentioned, this makes the podcast easier for new single moms to find. And it's very simple. In the podcast app, all you have to do is tap the stars and tap write a review. And you can also subscribe while you're there and you'll never miss an episode. Okay, it is time to get into this week's episode. You are going to be blown away blown away by my guest. She's absolutely phenomenal. She is just this burst of amazing positive energy and vibes and I think she's absolutely amazing. So let's get straight into it. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. I'm thrilled to have my guest Anna von Francis on the show today. She's a single mom from Canada living in Mexico and I'm really excited to hear her story. Welcome to the show, Anna. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you for making time to be here. I really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about you. Give us a bit of an intro. What, what, like you live in, you're from Canada. What brought you to Mexico? Um, how old's your daughter? That kind of thing. Okay, it's a, it's a. We kind of we took a long road. I don't like to take the short, easy path usually. So <laughs> I'm originally from Canada, but I started leaving Canada about ten years ago. Originally, I just wanted to winter somewhere that was. You know, I made my money seasonally and I thought, well, instead of spending tons of money to be inside in the winter, maybe I could cut that price tag down and go somewhere like Asia or something, you know? Yes. And, and it started with me being like, I'm going to do six months here and six months there. But eventually what happened is year by year, uh, the six months turned into eight, turned into, and then fi- my final year, I spent 10 months living in a hammock in an off-grid tantric farm in Nicaragua. And oh I was like, gosh. why am I... <laughs> Why am I still keeping a residence in Canada kind of thing? That's amazing. So that was 2000, yeah, that was 2015. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to live this like hippie life half the year. And then I'll live the other half the year in Guatemala, which I liked it there. And I liked this town Antigua. And I thought I could like teach English half time and get my like, you know, sushi and mall fix. And then the <laughs> other half of the year, I'll be in this like off grid hammock living hippie, you know? I love and, it. By the way, where are you yeah. from in Canada? I was I was born in Newfoundland in the far east where the Titanic went down. Wow! Um, and, but I'm like my hometown is Toronto. I've lived all over Canada, but I lived there the most, and you know that's where my mom lives, and I kind of consider that my hometown. Oh my gosh! I so want to go to Canada. You know, it's one of my um, dream countries. I'm hoping to go there next year, actually. So, I, Canada is a great place to visit, but yeah. I. 
I don't miss living there at all. I don't miss the rules. I don't miss the price tag. I don't miss the whole money over everything. Yeah. I don't miss not having family ideals, you know, just like, I mean, if we lived there, I would work 80 hours a week and my kid would be raised in childcare and we would be scraping by and I'd be one of those like overworked, underpaid, stressed out single moms, you know, like, like the classic cliche, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I never want to live there, but it's a beaut. It is, it really is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Like I really, I've been to a lot and I've, and it really is majestic. It's, it's, she's a looker for sure. Oh, sounds Uh, amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's safe and all that to like, you can just drive a van across the country or you can camp across the country. There's a lot of really beautiful ways to experience nature, especially as a woman in a safe way which yeah. is, you know, we don't have those opportunities all over the world. So it does, it has that in spades, you know. That's so good to hear. Okay, so tell us what, so that was in 2015. Yeah, so I packed all my stuff up, got rid of my house, got rid of everything, like gave all my possessions away or sold everything, like had like a 40 liter backpack and like a really high maintenance Chihuahua Jack Russell dog. And I moved to Guatemala and six months later, I had a one night stand with the local tattoo artist and got pregnant. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was Social like love. It's just like it sounds like a movie. No. It's great. <laughs> I was like, "What the f?" Like I was thirty six, almost thirty seven. I was a couple months from my thirty seventh birthday. I had sort of let go of the idea that I was going to be a mom. I held this space. Why did you for let it partner. go? Because you didn't think that you wanted because children, of, or you just didn't think it would happen? No, I did want kids, but I really, you know, I was raised by a single mom, and I think like every everyone I know was raised by a single mom, like didn't want to be a single mom. Like I just really, I saw my mom struggle, you know, the classic sort of idea of a single mom, like work really hard, scraping by living in apartments, you know, work. I mean, my mom's done really well for herself, but I saw her like claw her way through with a kid on her back, you know? And I was like, I will never be a single mom. And it's funny because I drank the Kool-Aid. Like I so like as someone raised by a single mom, I still totally drank the Kool-Aid and was like, it's so hard. It's so expensive. Kids are so much work, you know? And now yeah. it's like, what bullshit? Like I just believed that whole thing. And I thought, you know, the, the man never showed up. Like the man for me never showed up. I got the house. I got everything. I had the career. I had everything. And I just like the guy never materialized. At yeah. one point, I did think about having a child by myself in my in my early 30s. And you know what? I just choked because I was in Canada and it was so expensive. And I really didn't see how I could take time off to like grow, birth, and feed a baby using nothing but my body and, you know, and still work. Like I didn't see how I could do. And now I know that you really can't do both things. You have to have some buffer of time and money to do it. And so you do need a village. You do need people. but at the time I just was like, how will I do this on my own? And I, you know, I'm from a culture that doesn't help parents that doesn't have a lot of, you know, adult and children things mixed together. It's like, you're stuck in a McDonald's playland once you have kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was scared to give up my social life, my dating life. I believed all that stuff that like, nobody would want to date me. You know, it would be really hard. It would be really expensive. So I didn't do it. And then somewhere along the way, I just came to terms with that, like, maybe I wasn't going to be a mom like that, you know, and that that's yeah. not the end of the world. Like I was still valuable, even though I wasn't going to have babies, you of know? Course. Yeah. So you just and kind then I was of like, came to that acceptance. Yeah. I like surrendered to it and was like, I'm going to be like this weird spinster traveling yogi who lives <laughs> out of a backpack 
and like, I'm just going for it. You know, I'm going to yes. do this fully alternative lifestyle and like, thank God I don't have a baby. I can do this. Right. Yeah. And then when I got pregnant, because it really wasn't under good circumstances, I mean, I barely knew this guy. He wasn't my boyfriend. You know, I didn't, you didn't really know him. I, yeah, I, I just, all of my friends in Canada were like, have an abortion. Oh, you know, really? this is like, you have no possessions. You're living in Guatemala. You're living out of a bag. You know, this is such a bad time. You didn't save money. You're, I wasn't making a lot of money because I didn't need a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't planned anything here. You don't know this guy. Like, this is just the worst case scenario, have an abortion. And did you ask your mom as well? Oh, my mom was like, have an abortion. Yeah, right. Yeah, she also felt the same way. Like, I just didn't feel supported in my group. Also, you know, there's some stigma when you're away. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's like, you're in Australia, right? Yeah. Like, maybe, like, think about, like, if this happened in Bali with a Balinese guy and whatever, you know, and it was, like, this super bad situation. Like, there is some stigma in Canada about, like, oh, well, you're down in Guatemala. Like, that's not good. Like, you better come home and whatever. And I was, like, I don't want to go back to Canada and do this, you know? Like, yeah. I'm in a place that is much more family-friendly and, like, it's cheaper and, you know? Yeah. And then I had one friend that was, like, look, man, you've wanted to have a kid for 10 years. Like, this might be your only chance. So don't have an abortion lightly. Yeah. She was like, you think it through. And she was like, you, you're more capable than you think. And, you know, eventually he actually came to bat. Like I felt very rejected uh, and disconnected from my own sort of support system and culture. And he kind of came in with his big Latin family and was like, we love babies. Babies are a blessing. We are going to support you. You have our support. You'll be part of our family. We're going to help every step of the way. He was like, my family is going to be there. So, you know, he was abusive, which I didn't know at the time, but like in a classic abuser fashion, he just like swept in and on, on a platter served me a full support system. Yeah. Right. And And I, and I, yeah. And I was so desperate for it. I went for it, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have that. I, all, all I ever wanted growing up was like a big messy family. And I didn't have that. I'm a single child and an only parent family. There's a lot of dysfunction in my family of origin, you know, and I was also getting pushback from my, what support system I do have. And here was this big, you know, at first blush, it looked really good. You know, I was going to get this family out of it. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward seven months later and I am like packing up my shit and leaving totally like under cover of night to drive over the mountain range into South Mexico and birth a baby by myself. Oh, Anna. Seven so you months were seven pregnant. months pregnant. And what happened? Yeah, I couldn't what, fly. What, why were you like, I've got I to mean, get out of here? I mean, it was just, it, it was like, it's so hard to describe because, you know, I mean, anybody who's been pregnant, like you go a little crazy when you're pregnant, right? Like your brain is not, it's hijacked by pregnancy. Like it's not fully yours. And I think it's very emotional. It's very vulnerable. I'd never been so vulnerable. I'm a really tough person. I'd never been so like open flowered before, you know, like just so heartstrings on the outside. Just, I just felt so vulnerable. And over the course of that seven months, like those little alarm bells inside you that say danger, danger, like they were ringing 24 seven. Like, but I was telling myself, it's just you being pregnant and crazy. 
but I mean, I couldn't sleep. I was like chain smoking my whole pregnancy. I was not teaching yoga. I wasn't doing any of my work anymore. I was so depressed. And I was like, you know, increasingly reliant on somebody who was decreasing their reliability, right? Like, yeah, was always late at work or didn't, you know, was never really there, always figured out some way to like ditch me for appointments. You know, his family sort of was always also very kind of manipulative and it it all felt very like kind of cult-like, you know, like I felt like I was really reliant, like slowly I didn't have really a lot of friends there and slowly his friends were my friends. All the classic abuse stuff, like they isolate you and take away your whole framework until you're totally dependent. And I really think that, you know, that was the plan there. But I just had this feeling that if I had a baby there, like I was a goner. And, you know, so nobody you ever... listen to your gut, you know, because it's really hard, especially when you're I pregnant. Don't, I just like, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I always say, well, there's definitely a God because like only God could have gotten me to get out of there. Because yeah. there was nothing like I could point to on paper and say like, he's hitting me or he's doing this it was all just like psychological and emotional manipulation, like constantly. And it was like this thread that thread everything together. And it was really difficult to explain it to anybody really, because it looked normal from the outside. I mean, he was watching orgasmic birth and and buying stuff for the baby and like, it all looked so normal, but it wasn't normal. Like there was all these things that didn't add up, you know? And I really feel that I saved my life. Yeah. I still feel that like I would have died there because I was so like suicidal too by the oh end. Gosh. Like I just felt like a shell of a person. So yeah, I went over to Chiapas in South Mexico, San Crispo Las Casas to um, like a famous uh, midwifery clinic. Mexico is famous for midwifery all over the world. Like all the top midwives are Mexican. So, wow, you know, I knew that. I, it's amazing. Yeah, I knew I was going somewhere that was like known for this, you know? Yeah. And and did you tell him where you, know, you were going or you just left and that was the last time? I just left. I left in the middle of the night. I was too scared that I would be intercepted. Even though when I left, he just never spoke to me again. And have you talked to him since? Oh, yeah. He called me a couple months ago saying that he wanted to have a relationship with Luna and but it was like, we, I don't, it was like all, it, it's all just, it's all just about control. Like it, he didn't want to, he's never phoned her ever once, not on a birthday, no, no card, no email, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Never come and visited like none of those things, you know? Um, but yeah, so. So you just uh, anyway, left I, and then you went to Mexico to, to this midwife. Yeah. And I had, I had her there and then I never really met anybody in the year I was in Mexico. So I ended up going back to Guatemala because I knew people there. And I had a bit more help. I needed like somebody to physically help me because I had to go back to work. Like I had, I had to work and I had this little baby and I needed like a nanny type of help. And I knew somebody in Guatemala that was going to help me that I trusted. And so I went back there and I think too, like a lot of single moms, you know, I was holding out hope that if he like met this little baby and held her in his arms that, you know, the magic would happen and he would want to be involved and, you know, that definitely did not happen. It just became more like using the child to try and control me. And it was all like lots of photos with her, but not actually ever taking her. You know, he never like, I wanted a weekend dad out of it. And I just like never got one. Yeah. So a year after we lived in Guatemala, we just moved back. We went, we traveled through Asia and all over the world for like a year. And then we moved to Mexico. So you had a baby at that time. 
Oh yeah. I've been to like nine countries with Luna before she was two. That's amazing. Yeah. It's really easy to travel with kids. Like it's totally like the whole thing is such bullshit. You know, the whole, like you can't do it on your own. Like not only can you do it on your own, but it's a lot of fun. I have never felt that being a single parent has been like this. Held you back. Like I feel, no, I think there's two types of aspirational parenting in a great, Eight loving couple where you're both on board, you're, you know, you ride or die for each other and your family, you know, like the real deal. That's yeah. like aspirational. And then the other kind of aspirational family is a single mom with no baby daddy drama. Yes. Like <laughs> I, I feel I'm living one of the aspirational types of families because I make, you know, I, there's so many things that I don't deal with that my friends who are couples deal with yes. that I feel really grateful. Like a relationship is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I feel the same. Sometimes it's a lot I of work. hang out with my friends who are together in a relationship and I'm just like, oh my God, this is really How do you do it? Intense. I'm yeah. always, I'm always asking my friends who are couple parents, like, how do you do it? Like, it's so much more work. And they say the same to me, like, how do you do it on your own? And I'm like, well, I don't have the added full-time job of a relationship to take care of. Yes. That's pretty nice. And sometimes the feelings that come along with it, like the resentment, why am I doing everything when you're right here? Like we kind of just sort of learn to accept the compromise with it. The constant compromise. Like I want them to go to Catholic school and you're like homeschool hippie. Like what? (laughs) You know, or like having to deal with their family and whatever. Like Luna and I are killing it. We don't have all the baggage of a family we have to deal with that's not even mine, like my baby daddy family or my husband's family. You know what I mean? Like I don't even have to deal with that baggage. Like there's so many things about being a single parent. You can just, you know, travel when you want to. You can work everything out on your schedule. Like, you know, my sister's in a fantastic marriage. She's got two kids. I have a half sister through my father. And cause I, I know I said I was an only child, but I have a sister who's 10 years younger through my father. And like, yeah. she's totally goals too. But you know, when she's on mat leave for her kids, her husband's working. Like she can't just like come down and hang out with me in Mexico, yeah. but she wants to, but she can't because you know, it's not fair to her husband. And you know, I get it why she doesn't do it. Like they're a team, but yeah. how sucky is that? You've got to spend your mat leave like stuck in the house with two, with a new baby and another kid in the winter in Canada when yeah. you could like be on the beach with your sister, you know, like those You're making kind it of sound things. so amazing. I want to pack up my bags and <laughs> come join you. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, you know, and then I think the downside of being a single parent is like, it really sucks to celebrate alone. Like the first steps, yeah, the first, all the like all those things. Yeah. Oh, it sucks to just be by yourself. And you have have nobody to celebrate it with. Like celebrating alone is shitty. And also, you know, sometimes I'll go to the bathroom and I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a person here to hold this baby while I go to the bathroom or have a shower? Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that. (laughs) That would be so nice. Like sometimes I see couples and I'm like, oh, look how they do it. It's like he holds the baby while she pays the bill. Like I like how they work it out as a team you know it's not like one person with 30 bags and a credit card and a crying baby like you know (laughs) yeah I'm like oh look how that works that's cool but for the (laughs) most part like I think I've got a real goal situation I I don't see it as my whole idea of being a single parent has changed enormously since having my daughter 
That's really good to hear. You know, it, it's something I think scares a lot of, or it certainly scares me because I, I hear a lot of people raised by single mums say, I never want to be like a single mum ever. And I'm just like, oh my God. I hope because we saw the that. struggle. Yeah. We saw the struggle. But you know what? It's 2020. You know, it's a different time. You know, my mom had to put herself through university with a two-year-old kid in a full-time job like that. I never had to do that. I already, I was already 15 years into my career when I got pregnant. You know, I already ran a company. I was already making money online. I was already an entrepreneur. I already had income sources that were deadline driven. You know, like I was set up to, to be, to do it, you know? Yes. Um, and you know, it is 2020. There are rich single moms now and there are poor ones. There's single moms on welfare, but we're a diverse group. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's not just this stereotype way, you know, and I don't feel my daughter, you know, I explained to her that I grew her in my tummy and she's three and a half now. So she's like, she's really big on this idea of like where babies come from and like what a dad is. Like she wants to know, like she'll say, it really freaks people out. She'll say in a conversation, like, Suri has a dad. And people will be like, oh, yeah. And she'll be like, I don't have a dad. And people will be so mortified. They're like, this poor child. But I'm like, no, no, no. Like, she doesn't know that she's missing something. Yeah. She's, it's okay. like, she's just like factual. Like, it's just you've a, got fact. a dog and I like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really factual. And I always yeah. tell people, don't react because you don't want her to feel like, that's like you know. Like she doesn't know that there's like this deadbeat out there that was supposed to be her dad. She yeah. thinks I made her through magic because it's only been her and I from the beginning, right? Yeah. Like so has she met that's him? has she met her dad? When she was a baby, yeah. And we, we don't call him dad. I call him her biological donor. Yeah. Uh, because it's what he is. I feel like being called mom or dad is a privilege that you earn. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's a it is a real like, privilege. I, I don't feel that I'm her mom because I birthed her. Like I had to become her mother. I had to earn that through literally like you touch death a bit having a child, you know? And it's like, I had to learn, I had to earn my stripes as a mother. Yeah. And I I do feel the battlefield is year one, (laughs) you know, like if you can get through the first year, you've earned your stripes. You're now a parent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. I love it. Yeah, and you know what? Now, like, I have an appointment to be inseminated in the city and we're going to be expanding our family I as know. a single parent. So, I just think this is amazing. And I'm super interested because I'm in the same position. I don't know if you know, but I've just put my list, I've just put my name on the, in New South yeah. Wales where I live in Australia, there's a wait list for sperm. That's kind of how I started listening to you. Because oh, really? I was looking for single moms by choice and stuff. And then I saw your podcast came up about it. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So I've just put myself, I just put my name on the list for the, for sperm, a, a sperm. Is, I don't, yeah, that's how it works. Well, yeah, here so it's you a just nine pay money. Wait here. How long do you have to wait? Oh, oh, I don't have to wait. I just, uh, I just pay some money and then I go get it. That's about <laughs> Great. It's actually not. It's not that expensive. It's not that expensive either. It's twenty thousand pesos, which works out to be just under two thousand Canadian dollars. It's like fifteen hundred American dollars, and that includes that includes three three goes. Is that like I get three tries? Uh, Yeah, I believe it's IUI, but I'm not even doing the full IUI because I've said no to all the drugs. Yeah, so you're just going to go. They still give you. 
I told them, let's do two with no drugs. And then if nothing happens on round three, pump me full of the drugs. Yeah. You know, we'll try the last gas. Cause I just don't, I'm just really, I'm already like, you know, we're in COVID. It's a, it's an, I'm not, I don't do well with cages. I'm already feeling a little cantankerous with the whole police lockdown thing. Yeah. You know, like What's I just like don't want to mess with my right hormones. Uh, well, Mexico is actually pretty good. We have, you know, the media is constantly putting Mexico down. So like everything you see on the media is bullshit. Our hospitals are doing great. It's unbelievable how we've sailed through this. We've yeah. done such a, with so little, you know, we don't have anything here. We got 5,000 ventilators for a country of 130 million. Like we do, we are not equipped for an outbreak mm. and we haven't closed any airports and we haven't really taken away any rights from people. And we're not like being abusing power on a national level. Yeah. But but Mexico, much like the United States, the state level can decide what they want to do. And in the state I live in, it's a very open-minded state. Abortion is legal. You know, weeds decriminalized. They recognize three sexes here. Uh, like on your on your stuff, you can put down that your sex is other, like as in trans, like it's not fluid or whatever. Yeah. Like we, it's a very open-minded state, sort of like the California of Mexico. But my small town has gone total bullshit small town like we have we've only had two cases here and we haven't had one case in six weeks and there's just more rules every day like you can't go to the can't swim in the beach you can't like all this stuff and it's like it's a sleepy little forty-five thousand person town like it's it's the hottest time of year right now like they need to just let us go have a swim at the beach you know like just figure out how to let us swim. But it's like a lot of like abusive power. We've got a curfew and it doesn't even have any, like there's no virus here. Six weeks without one case. Like, so it's frustrating because the country is opening up on a federal level and there's places with like lots of, that have had outbreaks that are opening up now. Like we're past the bad time. We're past the peak. Yeah. And We've never had an outbreak and our town is shut down and saying like the reason we never had an outbreak is because we're shut down, but it's like, it never came here. We just never had it. It never was here. Yeah. So it's frustrating because, you know, it was supposed to be a month and now we're like over two months in and nothing there's like, I haven't even seen anybody with a cold in two months. Like I was 35 degrees outside. Like, you know, what, like, it, you know, it's hot. We need the, like, this is a beach town. We need the beach. The beach yeah. is where we walk our dogs. It's where we exercise. It's where we congregate. It's where we enjoy our time off. Like, yeah. so completely. yeah, it, it's, it's difficult, but you know, I, I feel we'll get through it, but because we're in this time, like, I don't feel like hormones are a good thing for yeah. me right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can understand. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to like emotionally play with the beast, you know? Yeah. So just backtrack a little bit. So when did you decide like, okay, I I actually want to have another one and I want to do it on my own? Well, because I grew up as an only child and I was really, really lonely my whole life. Like I have a half sister, but because we're such huge age difference, we really only sort of connected as adults. And what did you we say the age like, difference was again? 10 years. We're 10 years apart. Yeah. yeah. And we've only really connected. We didn't grow up together. We grew up in separate households. You know, like it's my dad's second marriage child, right? And my parents were divorced from the time I was young. So it's like I was never in her life really until she got older. Yeah. Um, 
And so we have a relationship, but I would say it's more like cousins. It's less yeah. like siblings and more like cousins. Like we're more like closer cousins. So because of that, like I was really lonely growing up and I've always felt, and a lot of only children that I know have, and my sister feels this too, because she's also an only child. She, we've always said, I'd rather have none than one. Yeah. Um, and so from the moment my daughter was born, I was already thinking about when are you going to have the second one? Because I just, I feel like she's my gift, right? My daughter is my gift. Like she, I cleaned up so much shit in my life because of my daughter. My relationship with my mother is a lot better because of my daughter. You know, like I just, I dealt with so many things, codependency issues, all this stuff because I had her, you know, she motivated me to be a better person and she's my gift, you know, but I want to give her a gift. Yeah. You know, I want her as well. I feel like she deserves to have somebody like she's the person I'm going to walk through this earth with. But what about when I pass away? And because I'm 41, it's like, you know, the reality is, is I may not be around when my grandkids are growing up, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, she deserves to have someone to lean on. Yeah. I think it's lovely. And yeah. And I feel like this is such a good time to have a baby because I mean, we're in this lot, we're not going anywhere. I'm getting my, I have, I'm because I'm in the process of immigrating, like my daughter is Mexican, but I have to immigrate through her, um, which is a short immigration process, but I still have to wait until January, February before I can like take a big trip again. So like, this is the perfect time to get pregnant. Yeah. We also like, we live in a sleepy little hot beach town. You know, there's a Montessori school within two blocks. My gym is a block away. You know, like everything's very easy and small. She can, I can put a kid in Montessori at one years old. And when else am I going to be like, this is as easy as it will ever get as a single parent for me. So I better, this is my opportunity. So I really want to take it. I think it's great. Initially I spent the first year focused on us. And then I got out there and started dating because I was like, I want to have another baby. I have to like get out and date. And that was like, Oh my God, what a horror show that is. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> it is like you are in the leftover bin. Okay, first of all, you're in the leftover bin. Like number one, you're in the leftover bin. Like that's who's in your age range that's never had kids and never gotten married are the guys that nobody wanted. <laughs> like that's who's left. So you got those guys. Then you've got guys that have like, you know, are crappy dads. There's a lot of these guys that like divorce their spouses and stop parenting their children. Like not a lot of men actually do the work to really be parents on the level that I consider worthy. Yeah. You know, like I would never date a guy who sees his kid every two weeks. That's no, I think it's not a well. child. Yeah. Right. And so that takes a huge swath of them out too. Cause there are really, I would say only about 10 or 15% of men actually parent their children on the earth, whether they're married or single. You know, there's a lot of, I always say, don't feel bad for me. Feel bad for the single moms that are married. Yeah. Because there's so many women out there that are doing all of the work and they're in a relationship that's no good. You know, they're married and the marriage is no good and the guy's not being a good parent. Like there's a lot of millions of women in that situation. Yeah, it's very sad. All over the world. Yeah. So it's like for me to date a guy, he's got to be an involved parent. But then like the catch is, as soon as you meet a guy who's an involved parent, He's so involved with his kids. Neither one of you have any time to do anything together. (laughs) 
so so you're stuck with like a really great dad you never see or like the leftover bin of dudes <laughs> with super quirky guys with like shit that has never been checked through a marriage or whatever you know and it's grown yeah. into a real problem in their 40s you know like, yeah. it's just like I literally, I found dating so horrific, but I was like, I'm just going to keep on. I'm going to stay positive. And I did that for like two years. Yeah. Uh, and then somewhere, you know, along the way around Christmas this year, I realized that even if I met an amazing man at this point, my window to have a child is more narrow than it is to have, like, I would never the amount of time that it would take for me to get to know somebody that I would want to actually share my family with yeah. would be longer than I have to get pregnant. So I realized the window was shorter to get pregnant. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it on my own because like I got to, I got to, you know, I waited and I waited and the man never came and I just got to go now. And you know what? The second I made the decision, it felt like somebody came in and took the biggest weight off my shoulders. That's amazing. Well, I think it does just take off that pressure because you can find a man whenever you yeah. want. Like that can wait though. But having a child yeah, like I can, cannot. I can get married in five years. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I actually read this story. I mean, it's so it's so trite, but like I read this story about Charlize Theron and and uh, uh, what's his name? Sean Penn. And I was reading about single moms by choice online kind of thing. And you know, she and Sean Penn were dating when she adopted her first child and they dated for five years and she adopted a second child while she was dating him as a single parent. She adopted them both. He's not the father for either one of her children. And I just thought, I just thought, you know what? Fuck it, man. If Sean Penn can date a woman who adopted two children in their relationship and still just love her for her, yeah. Like I must be able to find a man who will love me and my two babies, Completely. my two fatherless babies. Right. Completely. It, I totally, I, be, I believed that thing again. I can't believe I did it again. A second time. I believed that doing it on my own was like second place. You know, it's like my consolation where I was like, Oh, I didn't find a guy. So I guess I'll just have to go do this. And it doesn't, it hasn't felt like that at all. Like it is totally, I feel way more like open to dating now because it's like, I don't have to look at men and be like, are you good enough to be a baby daddy? Are you good enough to be the father of my children? Yes. I can just like, I can just date men because I like them. Yeah. Which is the natural way, you know? Completely. It's, it's, I love that. It's great. It's yeah. Great. And I'm like really open about it. I mean, I had a, a, a very, a small thing with a guy and I, you know, I, I told him like, yeah, well, I'm in the process of expanding my family and like my daughter and I are really happy about it. And like, we've talked about it and, you know, I know she's really young, but it's also, this is giving her a framework to understand her own family. Like I told her, I'm going to the doctor. I'm going to find out if mommy can have grow another baby in her tummy. And then I have to find a man to give me the seed because she knows that there was a man. She knows who he is. She's seen a picture. And I told him that's the man that gave me the seed plant in my tummy for her and that's how I grew you yeah, yeah. so she knows I would never call him dad because he's never earned it but you know I don't want her to feel like oh I have a dad but he doesn't want me or he doesn't you know children are so self-centered like I don't know how her little brain will will, will understand it and so I just don't want to even bring it into the conversation at this point yeah you know 
And now she's going to have a sibling who has a similar story, you know, and Oh, I have this vision of us being like a gang. Like we're like a gang. <laughs> would you have you know? more or would you stick with the two? I think I would stick. I think I, w- I would like to adopt. Adoption was actually my first choice because I wanted to avoid a pregnancy and a little baby. And I wanted to like adopt a one-year-old just yeah. as a single, as a single person. I just thought this was, that was going to be maybe a bit easier because you don't know, I could have like the world's worst pregnancy. I could have a baby with a lot of issues. You know, if you adopt, yeah. it's like, at least you get to know the children first. Like you get to see if you're a match yeah. energetically, you know, it's a bit more of a crapshoot having a baby. So <laughs> yeah, I, you know, adoption was my first, but with COVID, like all the, all the offices are closed. They're going to be so backlogged. Like I'm not yeah. going to be able to, even get in there. And then it's a, a year wait here at the minimum, you know, and I don't want my daughter to be so much older than her sibling that yeah. they can't relate in any way. Cause yeah. I had that. Yeah. So we're going to try it out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go the three rounds. I found a donor that looks identical to my daughter somehow. Wow. Uh, I really, I, yeah, I really feel that like the universe has helping me along with this. Like, you know how it's like when you're in the flow, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like all the roadblocks just kind of move out of the way. Like, that's how it's felt since I started. It's like, everything's closed right here, here right now, but the fertility clinic is open and yeah. cooking with gas, you know? It's, it's, and it's a like, sign. I think that is a sign. Like, the universe does make things happen for us. Yeah, like, I couldn't even get the adoption agency on email, phone, anything. Like, two months trying to get a hold of them just to find out if single parents can even adopt in my state. Yeah, I can't even get that information out. And like, I called three fertility clinics, picked the one I liked right away. You know, I liked the doctor. It also was the cheapest one, which worked out great. And she sent me like a short list of 14 donors that fit the description. And I just see baby pictures here. You can't see their adult pictures. And the very first guy I looked at, I was like, that's the guy. So you get around 14 people that fit the description, you said. What description? So I gave them some photos of some famous guys. Um, yeah. And I gave them photos of my daughter. And I said to them, you know, it, for me, it's like, you know, of course, like I would love for this man to be handsome and all these things, right? And I'm like, but the most important thing to me is like, if you look at a picture of me and my daughter and you put him in the picture, it would look like he belonged there. Right, okay. Like, that would make sense. And I was like, my, you know, I mean, obviously, if I fell in love with a man, I wouldn't care what he looked like, like our babies would just be our babies, right? But because I'm picking this out of a catalog, I want them to look like my daughter, you know, so that Uh, she can have a sibling that looks like her. And like, I'm a really white person, I got blonde hair, I'm from Canada, but my daughter is Latina. She's been here her whole life she doesn't identify with like she's not like foreigner children she's like she's mexican you know yeah uh she very clearly identifies as mexican she's bilingual she looks like a mixed like latina and white kid so i want to have another kid that looks like her you know so that our family looks together you know yeah yeah completely so you gave them the description and then the first guy looked at you like this is the guy yeah the first Amazing. guy was like, this is the guy. Yeah, he's a psychologist, 29, fights Muay Thai, describes himself as very calm and introverted. I was like, perfect. That's what I want. And why is he donating sperm, does it say? 
no, but I, I did ask a lot of questions about that because I was like, are these just street people? Like, are these just drug addicts? They do get paid. So I'm using the national sperm bank here. If, if I wanted to use the international sperm bank, you know, and get like, you know, probably white babies or whatever, you know, then it costs more money. I don't know what the price is, but the international sperm bank is more. Uh, the national sperm bank is like included in my price. And in the national sperm bank, uh, they do get paid to donate. The donation process is like, they have to be screened first uh, with a sample and then they come back and donate and then they're paid. So it's like, I liked that it was like a bit of a process because I thought yeah. like, who's going to, you know, what Put crackhead's going to go through that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't take any sperm that has any kind of like drugs or alcohol or any kind of genetic defects or anything like that. They won't take yeah. that sperm. They will take somebody who has allergies. You know, like if they say they, they're allergic to bees or whatever, they'll take that person. They'll just let you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, most of them, I mean, this is a country where people, you know, people pay within their family for things, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that he was bringing money home to his family. Um, and that was the motivation was to bring money home. Yeah. Um, they, I'm, I don't know where they campaign, but the majority of the sperm is between 19 and 25 years old. This guy was a bit older, but 19 and 25. So I think that they, I think they campaign with young men in university to yeah, donate yeah. their sperm for money yeah. because I'm not like a 19 year old guy is obviously doing it for the money. And, you know, I'm sure they just think like, I think they, they all say the same thing on their test that they want to help somebody have babies who can't, but I think yeah. they just all say that, you yeah. know, like I think they just know what to say, but really I'm sure they're in it for the money. They don't get paid a lot, but here in a way, like it's free money. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. It's funny that you've just reminded me of something that I'd completely forgotten about. I remember when I was traveling with my boyfriend at the time in, it was like 2001 or something. And um, we went to the, Europe. We went to Europe for a year and um, we, we had no money. And um, he was like, I'm going to donate my sperm because I get, I can't remember how much it was, but whatever it was, it gave us enough money to buy food for a week or two. <laughs> And I can't remember if he went ahead and did it. I don't think he actually did, but I was like, yeah, we were just, we didn't really think about, we were just like, oh, okay, yep, whatever, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, donate sperm, donate yeah. blood, donate whatever, right? <laughs> whatever it takes, yeah. yeah. Why not? I remember yeah. people donating blood when I was younger in university. That was like a big one. You got like 20 bucks to donate, but like, you know, for a starving university kid, they're like, so I just sit there for an hour, read a magazine, I get 20 bucks. Like, yeah. why not? You know, Easy that money. was in the nineties. Yeah. That was like good money. Yeah. So same kind of idea. Like, Oh, I yeah. look at some porn and you know, jack <laughs> off and I get, get some money. Up. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> the, the only, the only thing here is that when you get like my child will never have access to this man, like, what, like in Canada, no, in Canada, when they're 18, they can apply to know their face and name and whatever. Like you Same can either name. have anonymous or, or semi-anonymous sperm. Like there's both categories in Canada. So when you're choosing a donor, you can choose a donor that they can contact later. But here the, the law is absolutely no contact. And I'm not allowed to see a photo of him as an adult, only a baby picture. Right. And so how do you feel about the no contact thing? You know, I, 
who knows? I, I think maybe the law will change by the time my kid's 18. Yeah. But I think that, you know, um, honestly, I really believe that my children will have a father and yeah. it's not going to have anything to do with this. Like, I think a man is going to come along and be the father of my children and they're never going to, it'll be like an adoption story. Like, I don't think that they're going to, it's you know, it, there, it, yeah, I mean, it's a donor. So that it's yeah, not, yeah, gonna, I also, yeah, I also feel a lot of, um, like a lot of my friends are gay, you know, and like, this is how gay people have families. Yeah, completely. You know? So I, I have friends that have donor children, lesbian friends and trans friends, that this is how they had their, this, how they grew their families. So I feel confident that my kids are going to grow up seeing that and being okay with that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more normalized. One of my closest friends is a trans man and he was like, Oh my gosh, I want to like call you while you're getting it done. So that like somebody's supporting you. Like, he's just like, this is so exciting to him. He thinks this is so amazing Yeah, because this is, is how amazing. he, well, this is how he's going to have children. Right. So this yeah. is the same as me being like, Oh, I don't know. Me and my partner are trying. It's the same thing to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. it really well, it took is. a lot yeah. of like, yeah, in the straight world, it, there's stigma around it. But I think that like the stigma comes more from men to be honest than it does from women. Like I, the, I felt men have felt a little bit uneasy like my straight male friends have been a bit uneasy about me doing this and we haven't talked about what their feelings are mostly because I don't really care um because I'm excited so I don't really care but I I think that this brings up some weird feelings for men um maybe they feel that they're cut out of the deal um and I think too that men already feel like they can't choose when to have children they have to, they are reliant on women. And I do think that there's a little bit of latent jealousy that we can just decide whenever we want. Yeah. It's really interesting. I never really thought about it from that. Not jealousy, more like envy. Envy yeah. is a better word. Yeah. yeah. Cause we do, we do have that freedom. Yeah. I feel like men really, really like I've never met the straight man that doesn't think about having kids as I'll have a wife and we'll grow our family. Whereas I do feel that women are a little bit more open-minded and that's probably because, I mean, so many of us are single moms and there's so many blended families. And I just feel like women are a little bit more like your kids, my kids, who cares? I love kids. You know, like we're a little more open in that way because we're all mothers. Like we all have that instinct. Whereas men really need a woman to bring that instinct to them. So they only think of it as a couple things. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. My my good friend who's a who's a trans my trans male friend, like he's always thought of it as I'll be with a woman. And it's really through me doing it that he's been like, I feel so inspired that I could be a single parent. Like mm. I don't need to feel like a failure because I'm not in a relationship. Like I could maybe I could do this on my own. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, Yeah, dude, like you'd make a great dad. Like the world is hurting for dads right now. It's hard for single guys because a lot of them do want to have kids and they don't have that choice that we do. They, they need to find yeah. someone to grow the baby and they need to find the egg. Like that's a lot of hoops to get through, whereas for us, like it's quite Especially easy. Especially for dudes who aren't even like allowed to talk about their feelings. Yeah. You know, like it, 
it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I, that's what I mean. Like I've felt not pushback from my straight male friends, but this like sort of unwillingness to discuss it, like a yeah. feeling of internally they are brewing it over, but they don't know what to say. And I'm not, and because it's, I don't yes. really care, I just move on. <laughs> You're so right. You know, I don't really, really care about, about their feelings. They just kind of brew it. Yes. Yeah. My single, not single, my my straight guy friends who are in a relationship have all been really the same. They haven't really said much and it's always like, you know, not really offered their thoughts. You can just feel them brewing inside. Yeah, they're just brewing it inside. Yeah, whereas the woman that they're with, yeah, they're, they're, they've been the one that have kind of um, responded. But then I do have a couple of single dad friends and they have been very positive about um what I want to do they're like yeah I think it's oh because they're they're pure envy they're just like oh my god I wish I could have five more yeah <laughs> yeah totally like yeah I think I think if I you know my sort of dream of course I mean I live in Mexico where there's a lot of blended families like people get pregnant and get married young here yeah. So it's really common to meet somebody that's got two kids that they had at 19 and 20 and then they divorced and they married the person they actually wanted to marry as an adult and they had another kid and yeah. that person had kids from a first marriage. You know, like it's very yeah. common here to just like you've got five kids from two different women and one's adopted from that woman. You know, like that's yeah. very common here. And because people do have big families, it's like no big deal to have four children here. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have always just assumed that I would most likely get with a man that has children already at this point. I always tell people the man for me is going through a long divorce right now. Yes. <laughs> and he's one of the good ones. He's a good one. He's been married for 15 years and they're just not in love anymore. And, you know, they have kids and the kids are a bit older. And now they're like, I want to go out and live my life. I'm 40 years old and we've been married since we were 19 and I don't love you. And the other one's like, I don't love you either, but it's still a process and he's doing work on himself. And like, I'm going to meet him in five years, you yes. know, yes. when he's done the work and come through it. And he's, he's like, listo, like ready. And we're just going to meet and it's going to be like, oh, you know, or maybe it's going to be someone I know who's yeah. going through that process now, you know, like, yeah, completely. I always say that the man for me is divorcing his best friend right now. Yes. You know, like they're, they've come to be best friends and she's going to be great. And it's going to be this great blended, beautiful family. Yeah. You'll love her. She'll love you. You can do. Yeah. We'll go on together. vacations together. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like yeah. I, 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 I fully believe in love and also, like, I get to just go out and, like, throw it around again if I want to. Because, like, every man that I sleep with doesn't have to be my baby daddy now. Like, yeah. now I can just, like, <laughs> if I feel like going fun. out and going, yeah, and having fun with some, like, ridiculously younger man who is great on the dance floor but nothing else, you know, like, I can do that now. Yes. It doesn't matter because it's, like, my family goals are sorted. And it's separate. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fantastic. It's bloody brilliant, actually. Oh, I'm gonna enjoy this pregnancy. Like <laughs> even my last pregnancy, I had a world class pregnancy. I had I was in such great physical shape and like everything was great, but I was in this horrible situation and I, I totally sold myself short because of it. And on this one, man, it's it's gonna be so fun. Yeah. I can't wait. It's gonna be amazing. So what so tell me where you are in the process with the, getting the sperm. 
Oh, I go on Monday. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I go exciting. out on Friday. I go out on Friday. I've got an ultrasound like really early in the morning on Saturday because I have to give myself one needle. And what do you mean you I go out told, on Friday. What does that mean? I, oh, sorry. I fly up to the city. I fly up to the city to Mexico City oh. on Friday. I'm staying in a great Airbnb in Roma with a good uh, a, a gay male friend of mine who's in the city right now. Yeah. We're going in on a Airbnb together. I even have a date Friday night in the city. <laughs> I love it. And Saturday, I'm going for my ultrasound in the morning. And then um, they scheduled the ultrasound for really early because at some point in the day, I have to have this needle. And it will be the only like shot. It just allows the follicle to be more receptive. Yeah. Um, and I'm scared to do the needle. So they said, well, if I do it early in the morning, I can come back later and they'll do the needle for me. Yeah. Rather than having to. They showed me how to do it, but I was like, no, I won't be doing that. that I know. Yeah. Luckily in Mexico, I can also go to a clinic and probably pay someone 150 pesos to do it for me, you know, uh, like yeah. a, a registered nurse at the clinic. Like I can just walk in and have them do it. Yeah. Um, so, and I've already got all the medicines and stuff. And then Monday morning, uh, I fly back at 12. So we scheduled it for 8.30 a.m. just to make sure we've got some wiggle room. And they insert the tiny little catheter, which I'm sure I won't like. And then... They're going to tell me that uh, in the ultrasound if I have more than one follicle open because the way that they do it, there is like if there's two follicles open, there is a higher chance of twins. Yeah. Which is the sc- like the scariest thing. I remember when I went for my for the heartbeat uh, ultrasound with my daughter, my friend said, are you scared there's no heartbeat? And I was like, absolutely not. I'm scared there's two. It's so funny. Everyone always says, everyone that I've spoken to about becoming a single mom by choice is terrified. I'm like, I hope I have twins. Like I'd love to have more kids and to just have one pregnancy, deal with all the baby stuff in one go. Like, yes, it would be hard. Oh yeah. Definitely. But just doing it all in one go, like, and they have each other for life. Hopefully they'd be besties. Yeah. Well, I think that twins are a really good idea if you don't already have a kid. Like on the first one, two and done you know you're done like nobody ever has kids after twins the twins are always the last (laughs) one because you know like that's a battlefield I'm not doing that again yeah no they're never going to even roll the dice again they love their babies (laughs) but they're not going to have the chance so twins do run in my family and you know at older pregnancies of course there's always a higher chance of twins and so she told me that what we can do is that if there's two or three follicles open, I can choose not to go this time and yeah. wait till next month where I might just have one. So yeah. I've sort of made the decision that if there's three, I won't go. If there's two, I might just risk it. This is so exciting. So what are you doing in your last week of possibly being pre- not pregnant? Are you drinking some I've been, wine I have letting loose? I've definitely been drinking tequila. Yeah. <laughs> Last night I was out with some friends and my daughter at this beach place and, you know, I was definitely drinking margaritas and I smoked a couple cigarettes. Like, you know, I was like living on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to smoke and drink and all this stuff. And then today I was like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I woke up today like I'm cured. I, I think I'll probably, you know, have a, have a, a couple of beers on Friday night when I get to the city. Yeah. Um, but like I said, COVID is the right time, you know, like there's yeah. nobody out, there's no bars, there's no dance floors to go to. And, 
you know what? I'm happy to go dancing pregnant yeah, without booze when that is opened again, you know? Yeah, yeah completely. You need to exercise. Yeah. Doesn't matter yeah. where you are. And, yeah. and I also... <laughs> I also don't care if like there's the nice thing is living where I live. Like there's not as much shaming and stuff like this idea that like pregnant ladies have to be the Virgin Mary, you know? Yeah. We don't like, dance. I'll we, still, don't, we don't have fun. No, <laughs> we sit at home I'll still get asked out easy. probably too. Oh, like when I was great. in Guatemala, I got, I got asked out a lot as a pregnant woman. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, cause not as much in Mexico, but more in Central America, it's like, it's seen as like, the thing is, is like, I think in Canada, it's like the ultimate woman is like a young, hot Britney Spears type, you know, Mm. but in Latin America, the ultimate woman is a MILF. Like the MILF is the ultimate. Wow. Like it's more like in that Madonna whore thing, that dichotomy that's like in everything, it's more about the Madonna than the whore. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I'm from a culture that likes the whore more than the Madonna. Like they don't want baggage, you know, they want that young, hot, will go along with whatever you say kind of woman idea at least and here it's not like I I feel that my my uh my stock has gone up since having a child here as a single woman that's amazing how fantastic well we all need to move there by the sounds of it (laughs) yeah or at least like just adopt the attitude I think that living in a place that I'm treated that way has also gotten me to like feel that way. And now that I feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I feel that way, like, of course you attract, I'm attractive. Yeah. I feel, I mean, I don't know how you feel as a single mom, but I always feel that like, um, something that didn't happen to me before is like, now I have like the house and the, and the great kid and, you know, I'm in good shape and whatever. And it's like, I feel that we attract a lot of men that want to just like slide in without doing any of the work. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of kind of vampiric guys that are like, Oh, perfect. Like I blew my thirties doing victory laps in my twenties. And now I am in my forties and this single mom is here and she's done all the work and she's got the great kid and the great life. And I'll just slide in here and be the man of the house. Yeah. And you're like, well, no, like I built all this through blood, sweat and tears. So, you know, you're welcome to come, but you have to come with your own things to bring to the table now. Yeah. I'm not going to give this all to you without, yeah, I've noticed there's a lot more of that, which is super funny because when I was younger and I didn't have all the baggage I have now, I had way less of that. I haven't really noticed that in my life personally, but that's also because I tend to go for guys that have kids. So uh-huh. I think they just kind of get the the life. Right. They've already got it. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Wow. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I think you are seriously <laughs> incredible. Like I love it. I love your attitude. I love your vibe. Um, I think, yeah, good on you. I think since I've started sharing some of my story about wanting to have another child, um, you know, using donor sperm, a lot of people have said to me, you know, I want to do it, but it's just like, I think they're just scared. They're held back. Like, what would you say to someone that's scared or like, is like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, is it? You know what? I, I have a very good single mom friend who said to me, you know, don't let your desire to have children take a backseat to your desire to have a partner. You know, like if you want to have, like she was like, there's no shame in having four kids with four baby daddies. And she was like, look at Erica Badu. 
You know, like there are a lot of moms out there that are famous that I look up to people like Erica Badu, who are really great examples of parents and women and career women. And they've got Kate Winslet, I babies. think is another one. Doesn't she yeah. have, I think they, they got babies kids. with, a, three yeah, they got dads. babies with different dads, you know, like why, why is that a shame now? Like yeah. if you're a good mom, you're a good mom. Yeah. Like instead of looking at it like that, why don't you, why don't like you look at it like so, so many men wanted in on that because she's such a good, she's so good at it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and there's a stigma attached to, I think there's always a stigma attached when women are doing things they're supposed to need men for without them and enjoying it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it comes back to like, there's so many things in the world. It's like, if women are tanning topless or doing anything that's not sexual and using their bodies, it's like such a sin, you know, yeah. if yeah. it's not for like the sexual pleasure of men. And it's like the same thing. Like I've had, you know, my daughter and I have a YouTube channel about traveling and I've had so much hate mail because <gasps> really? I've gotten hate mail about like, you know, like they're pissed off that I'm enjoying my life. <laughs> that's shocking. And I just think, I just think good. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't get like volumes and volumes of it, but definitely my friends that are couples and do the same type of thing don't get it. It's like they, it's accepted for me to have fun as well, but it's because I'm doing something I'm supposed to need a man to do. And I'm not, you know, like we, I feel like the world, it's time to be done with this idea. Like even I believed it, like I said at the beginning, that like this idea of like the poor downtrodden, used up, left behind, broke ass, you know, single yeah. mom. Like we need to be done with that narrative uh, because it's not the truth. No, it's you know? so and outdated. I, yeah. And it's not like I don't want my kids to have a dad. I do, but he didn't show up mm. and I still want to have a life. Like I don't, you don't need to wait for a man. You can, these don't, things don't have to happen in the order that it was given to you in a fairy tale. You're allowed to question that order and do it in a different way. Nothing has felt better and more empowering to me than just being done with waiting for a guy. I feel like I've waited on men my whole life in so many different ways. And it always feels really good to just take the power back and kick it your own way. And the more you do that, the more attractive you are to a partner and to good friends and to good opportunities, you know? Yeah. And Ah. like, if you're going to be a really killer mom, like don't let anybody stop you from doing that because there's a lot of shitty parents in the world. And if you know that you got what it takes to be a good one, like get out there and be a good one. Why not? (laughs) You're so like, you're so empowering. It's incredible. I think you're, fantastic. I, I, I feel like that about guys too. I always tell my guy friends that I think should have kids. I'm like, you know, the world doesn't, there's a lot of bad dads out there, like a lot of absent fathers and like, it's your duty to get out there and be a dad because you'd be such a good one, you know, like, yeah, you got to get out there and, and show humans. the world something. Yeah. Show the world that they don't need to give up on dads, that there's some really good ones out there. It's like we all just need to be less judgmental as a society, don't we? I mean, people judge single mothers, people judge um, single men, people judge um, 
you know, even what, with everything that's going on, you know, with the, the George Floyd situation and, like, yeah. everything uh, is just, everyone's just so judgmental. Like, we all just need to be, do us, you know, everyone just do themselves, be happy, don't judge. Like, we're all just trying to live our yeah, life. Yeah, and, like, also, yeah, help out the people that need help when they need it and, yeah. like, live your life and be positive and, like, spread love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not that difficult. It's really not. It's really not. <laughs> Be open oh and receptive God. to new ideas. Like I'm so glad that I found there's really great groups on Facebook too for people that are looking called like single moms by choice and stuff. And yeah. I found some really kick-ass moms on there who just were like women that exactly like me. They were like, well, I had the career and I, the man never came. And then I was 40 and I thought, well, I better go now or I'm never going to get to go. And it's the best thing I ever did. And some of them get married and some of them have other kids after or whatever. But it's like this group of women that don't accept the paradigm given to them in a lot of ways. Like I've met uh, in that group, I've met women that haven't accepted things in their career too. Like they've just done things the way they want to do them. Yeah. And it's really inspiring to be around people that are like, I just going to do it how I want to without fear. And it's, I mean, obviously that's always really interesting infectious you know yeah so good so people um if people wanted to follow up with you and see what you and Luna are up to you're over at travel mama Anna Von is that correct that's right that's that's Facebook Instagram YouTube travel mama Anna Von I love it um is there anything else you wanted to add before we finish up No, just thanks so much for having me on here. I really wanted to talk about this because I hope that I hope that other women considering it will like hear how happy I am about it and allow themselves to get happy about it too. You know, like I really, I, when I saw your story, I was like, yes, yes. Like I was nodding my head, like everything she said, all that. Yes. You know, and it, there's, there's not enough of these voices out there. And I think it's important that we are represented. So Thanks so much for having me on. I just It just makes me more excited to talk about it. <laughs> I'm so excited for you and I'm so happy you came on. I'm with you. I think we've got to go out there. It's our life. It's up to us what we do. We design yeah. it. We make it happen. And I, I said to someone the other day who was thinking about it, I said, my, what I always come back to is you don't want to regret not having a child. No one really regrets having a child. Um, but yeah. you would regret not having it, you know, and this is the time, the time is now and we don't have all the time in the world, unfortunately. So go out there and do what you want. Yeah, I had, exactly. I had a really good friend tell me when I was pregnant, do what you can live with because you got to live with it. Yeah, that's cool. And ever since then, that's been like a real motto for me. Love that's that. my bell. That's my child. That's just arrived back from childcare. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Anna. And I can't wait to check in with you. Please keep us up to date. You'll have to come back on the show when you're pregnant. Yeah, I will. Thank you. (laughs) I will let you know. Thanks so much. Yes. Good luck, Anna. Bye. Bye. Anna, thank you so much. You are just an amazing breath of fresh air. You've got such an amazing attitude. You've got such a positive vibe. Uh, truly you are an example of one empowered woman. I like so much respect for you. You know what you want and you're going to go get it. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So thank you for your time and thank you for joining me on the show. I also have a quick little update from Anna because we recorded that a fair while ago. 
So she said that she did the first round of her sort of IUI procedure, but unfortunately it didn't take. She's decided to wait for a few months for the second until things are more open in Mexico. But she did find the procedure very easy and quick and painless. And she said she even got to watch it on the screen, which was super, super cool and trippy. (laughs) Um, She also said that she thinks maybe it wasn't the right time and that in some way she's happy that it actually didn't take because it, it wasn't meant to be. But she also said that she's dating someone new and that he is 100% supportive of her dream to have more children, which is just absolutely amazing. Okay, Anna, thank you. We wish you the best of luck on your journey and can't wait to have you back and hear all your updates. If you wanted to get in touch with Anna, I will pop her Instagram handle in the show notes for you so you can go and find her there. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Thrive Tribe is open. We would absolutely love to have you join us. We have the best group of women in there. It is so beautiful. It is so supportive and it is something that I am just so, so proud of. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to send me an email. I'm happy to answer any questions. You can email me at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Single Mother Survival Guide. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I'd love for you to rate it in iTunes. And if you have a few minutes, even leaving a review, as I said, would be amazing and helps single mums find this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. And I hope to see some of you in Thrive Tribe. Otherwise, I really look forward to speaking with you next week. Okay, bye for now.